Blog Talk Radio. Oye, mi gente, this is the Urban Hibaro, and you're tuned in to Radio Capicú, the first Latino talk show on the internet, on Blog Talk Radio. This is George Torres, and you're listening to the Capicu radio show live from New York City. Um, really quick, I just wanted to let you know you can follow me on Twitter at Urban Hibaro, Instagram at Urban Hibaro, and you can also follow the show itself at Capicu Culture. Um, just want to thank you for being here tonight. Uh, we are slowly but surely changing our format, and the Capicu show is kind of positioned to redefine the cultural community. This week, uh, you know, we'll be talking to Evelyn Alvarez from Prom King. Evelyn was inspired to create a nonprofit organization by the name of Prom King due to the lack of attention to the lead needs of young males in the boroughs of New York. Prom King collects new and gently used clothing to outfit young men with dress attire for a variety of occasions, including their prom, important engagements, and other occasions. We're also going to be speaking to Juan Papo Santiago. We already know him, Papo Swiggity. And he is the dean of the newly christened Capicu School of Poetic Arts. So Papo, along with his co-founding committee, Johnny Rose and Keith Roach, wanted to empower the artists across the city by empowering workshops that were at the level of a BFA and MFA creative writing workshop, but at a fraction of the cost so it could be accessible to the community. So in early 2014, La Sopa and the School of Poetic Arts was incubated at the Bushwick campus of Boricua College. So our discussion tonight is really going to revolve around how these individuals built community around their ideas and gained enough momentum to make a difference in their community and eventually creating a positive impact award. Creating a positive impact, which led them to get the positive impact award, is what I meant to say. Um, And if we want to talk a little bit about the positive impact award, I want to let you know that uh, in 2013, I was the founding recipient of this honor that was created in the memory of my good friend and Hispanicized co-founder, Luis Pagan. And since that day, I've been joined by some of the most driven community builders across the country and share that distinction of being Positive Impact Award winners. Hispanicized is committed once again to celebrate social good on a national stage, thanks to our good friends at 3M. And we're going to follow that online conversation by using the hashtag Hashtag 3MPACT. 3MPACT. That's 3MPACT. Um, I'm, uh, if you could hear in the background, um, I believe my man, uh, Papa Swiggity, has joined us. Papa, what's up? Yeah, what's up? What's up? Como esta mi gente? Capicu, Radio Capicu, all of that. <laughs> Good to yeah, be on air again. All that, all that and then some, right? Mm-hmm. So I, um, I was just I was just giving people a little background on um on what what it is the positive impact award 
is um, you and I both share the distinction of being award winners. Um, we're going to go into that in a second, but what I really want to do is I want to play um, the video came on just before you took the stage in 2014, this, this um, April, uh, in Miami. And I want to play that video so people can understand why you're considered a positive impact award winner. Juan Papaswigiri Santiago is a poet, comedian, curator, master of ceremonies, student of life, and one of the most prominent community builders in what we know as the New York Rico Community Arts Circle. As a co-founder of Capicu Cultural Showcase, which is based on his studies of the philosophies of some of the most progressive, intellectual, and artistic movements of the last century, Juan has overcome an array of challenges en route to creating an adamant platform for young poets, visual artists, and performers in a rapidly developing community. He is an ambassador for affordable and non-traditional forms of education through the arts, which he has been fortunate to implement through cultural initiatives for the last seven years. His focus is on the values of expression, mentorship, and creating and sharing resources to build an involved cultural community. Encouraging his neighbors to become responsible socialites, part of his work involves recruiting volunteers and raising funds for local causes, including educational tools and holiday gifts for hundreds of children in the underserved neighborhoods of New York City. That was a really dope intro. That was. So, I mean, that, was. that that pretty much that said it all. I don't think I don't even think we need a show after that. <laughs> we could we could hang it up right now. We could hang up the mic right now. No, so so um, so so yeah, so so Miami this year, um, earlier this year, you were uh, you were presented with the Positive Impact Award for your work in the cultural arts. Um, but why don't uh, you know? And obviously, you know, I know the story. Uh, but for our for our listeners out there, the, some of them who may not know who you are, why don't you give us a little recap of of, of your career in the cultural arts? Uh, my career in the cultural arts—it sounds so official when you put it like that. I don't really, I you know, I don't consider it a career. I consider it a, a passion for myself. You know, it's something I'm, I've been writing poetry since I was about twelve years old. Um, officially writing it too. Like I put out my <laughs> my first little book. You know, at 12 years old, I was in the, you know, the, the high school, uh, what was it, those, like the, the high school magazine and stuff like that, putting my poetry. I was just something that I've always, I've always uh, done. But as far as making it a community tool, um, I'd like to tell the story, you know, I, I ran into Miguel Aguilar's book, Love is Hard Work. In sometime in the, I'm going to say the mid or, or late 90s, I think it actually came out near, near the late 90s. And in that book, the way that he wrote about uh, his connections with his with his friends, with his family, you know, um, I kind of knew about uh, Miguel Aguilar. For those who don't know, is the, you know the founder of the New York Post Cafe or one of the founders, right? So um, at the time, I kind of knew about it. Didn't know enough about it though. Um, but when I read the book, it kind of made sense to me. You know that it wasn't just you know a bunch of. Uh, you have this idea of poets being, you know, these high level and unaccessible people. And when you read, when I read the book, it sounded like he was talking about his boys from down the block, you know, and, and you know, people in, in the in the neighborhood in the barrio. Um, he, he talked about the funeraria. He talked about um, all these things that you know, were, you know, cultural indicators of who we are. And then it changed my idea of what poetry was for me personally. So instead of just writing for myself, and then you know, to to 
try to get it out in, in my own little book or get it published here and there, I saw that you could use it as a tool to uh, communicate what identity was, what our identity was, and, you know, and that identity is ever-changing with the times. So, you know, I mean, that's the way that um, that's the way that I envision it. That's the way it works for me. Um, and after that, I, you know, I, I sought a career in the arts in general, first as a as an MC. You know, I was in the hip-hop circles for a long time, uh, running around to the Zulu Nation circles and the uh, rock steady circles and doing all of that kind of stuff. Actually, that's where I met one of the. I need you to stop right there. I need you to stop uh, right there. Let's let's <laughs> let's not gloss over this point right ow. here. So you are an MC. Mm. Can you can you just hello hello Papa, you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. You hear me? Yeah. So what I was asking was, I was asking you to describe what you looked like back in your MCing days and what your name was. <laughs> All right, I had dreadlocks about a foot and a half to two feet along. <laughs> so I was a little blunkita looking dude in the hood with dreadlocks, real skinny. Uh, sometimes they would call me Sideshow Bob. <laughs> and I was yeah, just, you know, okay. I, and, I, and I sounded I, I like Honest. I sounded like Honest. <laughs> A little so, excited, you know, Bob, and I sounded like Onyx, basically. <laughs> All right, so you started you know, off in hip hop, and then and what happened next? I started off doing the underground stuff. I got into the corporate. I was working at Atlantic Records for a while, and I saw how they develop artists. So I I got a first, I, I would say, a first rate education, you know, in uh, artist development there. And then after that, when I got out, you know, I started, I, I kind of lost focus a bit and I started doing the parties I started I was doing the party scene for I would say uh, maybe five or six years but at some point um, I had always I had always still you know written and I started attending open mic just here and there I went to the New York Post Cafe um, at the time Accentos Poetry had had the um, not workshops but the open mics in the Bronx and I started doing that and then you know I just started taking my my craft more seriously after that, and I just started. Um, I saw what again what the New Yorkers were doing in, in crafting the identity. Then there was like kind of a lull, and then I saw the Accentos kind of reinvigorated, you know, the the New Yorkian base when they were doing it. And then um, I decided, you know, well, we decided because you know we went to Brooklyn and we we realized that Brooklyn didn't have its own movement as far as you know the Latino literary circle. There there were always, you know, poets and, and, and writers from Brooklyn, um, Luis Reyes Rivera being key among them for us. But we didn't have our own, you know, presence the same way the way that Louis Side had, the way that Spanish Harlem had, and even the way that the Bronx had with the Centos. So then that's when we decided we were going to try to cultivate the literary community right there in Brooklyn. And along with cultivating the community, you know, around, around uh, what our identity was, I remember, I know you remember from our very first shows, we were asking people to bring their resumes out. You know, we were trying to become resources, right? So we were trying to um, get people hooked up with jobs. We had a lot of different um, connections and a lot of different realms. We had a lot of the, I remember the the the, um, the, the frats and the sororities started <laughs> aligning with us in order to do different kind of work. And then, you know, we ended up uh, doing Pan Pueblo, which was our own choice for Tots program that we developed right there in the community that, you know, that, that, that we were serving. 
And after that, I mean, look how much we've grown after that. I work with the you know, American Diabetes Association. You know, um, George, you're, you're at the forefront of, of, of that right there. Uh, work with the Casa Ana Orphanage Project in the Dominican Republic. Uh, work with Haiti. You remember the the, 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 um, the orphans in Haiti as well. A lot of earthquake. different things in that. Quick, right? The earth, the, yeah, the, the earthquake. Um, now, the, the recent with the hurricane, we, we had, you know, Radio Capicus built around the, the, you know, what was happening with the hurricane. And I remember, for, for the most part, my, my part in that was really just, you know, uh, disseminating the information and, 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 and connecting folks, trying to get, you know, the awareness out of, 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 of what you guys were doing right there on the radio. It was just so, so many things. And then, you know, after a while, you know, um, we decided we didn't just want to be the um, – kind of the platform to express, but we wanted to be the platform to, to educate as well. So that's when, you know, the, uh, the we started kicking around the idea of the School of Poetic Arts. And that, that we actually developed that, and uh, the the Positive Impact Award didn't didn't address that because it was so new. We had just, just um, you know, got that going at the time, and I, and I wish that I could have really spoke more about it at the time, but we couldn't. Because you know it was it was out. I'm gonna say it was about a month in. <laughs> we was yeah, we, we, in with we had just announced students. we had just announced the space. Yeah, we just announced yeah, the space at that time. Yeah, we had just announced the space. You know, so I mean, and, and the point of the um, you know the uh, the school of poetic arts was to, to you know teach writing and to teach performance poetry, but also which was more important to me was to teach the uh, the backdrop. You know, the to to give it context to to. Uh, Capico as a whole, you know, our our philosophy came from you know studying what was happening in the you know post World War II. So from the the uh, the Beat Generation, the Black Arts Movement, and the New Yorker Movement, and you know I kind of wanted that to 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 inform the poets of today, you know, to understand that they didn't they didn't just appear out of a vacuum. Um, they have a backdrop, and they, we, we have a, a ton of resources that are still alive. That are still with us, that are willing to 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 contribute to giving us to, to give us an education in you know how to 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 identify not just how to identify but what we need to look for in terms of identifying in you know our, in our culture I don't I don't like to say subculture right but in uh, in in our it's like our home culture I would say right but from where we came from and also the mainstream culture you know right here on American soil. So you know that yeah, I mean, I, that was the basis for for SOPA, the original basis. And, and I do want to clarify yeah, for people when when Papo when Papo actually talks about culture, we're talking about urban culture. We're not talking about black culture. We're not talking about Latino or Afro Latino right. or white. Or, we're talking about anybody who is from where we're from, who's expressing themselves in a certain way, who who are from the neighborhood that want to do good. So, so Capicu is inclusive and universal in that sense. Um, so, I just want to make that very clear. Um, and I think that's the that's the that's the um, the key component that makes Capicu fresh because you got cats that are multicultural, like Lemon Anderson, Tony Award winning poet, right. you know, uh, coming right. in and mentoring uh, SOPA students. I mean, you know, that that's a really good. Talk to me a little bit about how important it is to have the elders come in and participate at, at School of Poetic Arts classes. It's, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, right now we have Keith Roach. Keith Roach is a well, former former Black Panther. You know, um, also a longtime host at the New Yorker Poets Cafe, 
and the stuff that he teaches you can't get in the textbooks. You know, he he, he has he has so much of the the, the backdrop of uh you know of, of of just urban poetry in New York City. He's also you know one of the organizers for the Bronx Writers Center, the original organizer where where um organizers where our friend Charlie Vasquez is now the director. You know, um a lot of that that information is lost throughout time if, if you don't you know because uh, not everything makes it into the books. So it, it's awesome to have people like Keith Rhodes, Keith, you know, people like you know Papoletto, which will come down to us at some at some point. Martinez Spada as well. Martinez Spada, people look at him like you know, they, oh, this is guys, a, a you know, a professor, and you know, kind of he may be, they may feel he's disconnect, disconnected from from the the, you know, the urban poetry community, but Martinez is from East New York. People don't know that, you know, and, and uh, so he could tell you about what East New York was back in those times, you know what I'm saying, and, 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 and times where, exactly. uh, for, for the most part, people think that East New York was, uh, you know, uh, I, I, uh, I'll put it this way. I, I spoke to an elder who shall remain unnamed uh, from the uh, uptown circle. In the beginning, when we first, first, first started Cantico, we went to the Bronx Museum for some event. I, I forget what it was. I think it was actually a Medico, a Medico Cassiano's event. Um the New York and yeah, he had a thing. So he had a uh, he had a thing there, and I met one of the elders there, and I, you know, I'm explaining to him what we do with copy goes again. We're doing this in Brooklyn and blah blah. And he looked at me and he said seriously. He laughed and he said, "Listen, you know, in our circle, we say that there's nothing that good, you know, that comes out of anything below the Lower East Side." You know, I was taken aback. I always remembered that, you know, because I was like, yeah, Dad, why is he saying that? Like, you know, but he was saying it because there was no, you know, definitive movement, um, even though a lot of the original New Yorkian movement, you know, not a lot of it, but a key component of it came out of Williamsburg, you know. So, um, and in fact, I remember one time when, uh, when to follow up on something that you were told, George, one time we had, um, we had Felipe Luciano, right? of the uh, the young lords and I remember you were driving him right to uh you were driving him to the, back home after our show and he told you I remember I don't know if you remember this but he told you he goes yo you guys are in Brooklyn man there's something that was happening in Brooklyn in the 60s and 70s you need to ask around about it and we went around for like I'm gonna say a year or two trying to figure out what was going on in Brooklyn and you were googling it googling it real hard trying to research it and it was just hard couldn't get good information on it, and then I ran into um, I ran into Joe Sam Plot. Diaz, right? Oh, I ran Joe into Plot. Sam Diaz. Oh yeah, wait, 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 Joey, yeah, Joey, Joe Pye, but he didn't really give give us the information. He but he did confirm that something was happening in Brooklyn, right? But he was like, but he didn't know too much about it. He was kind of removed from it, you know. Um, but then we had Sam Diaz, who's um, part of the original New Yorkian, you know, movement. Has a, a book out right now as well. You guys should pick it up. I think it's called Our New Eureka Thing. And um, Sam Diaz was like, "Yeah, I was one of the organizers in Williamsburg. You know, I did, I did a couple of series, and he, you know, he let us know about it. I think he had a basement series, you know, things like that. And I was like, man, this is somebody that knew. So we had a precedent. And even when we started, we didn't know that. You know, it took the elders exactly. to be like to to point out the fact that there was something before us, and you know. Um, the thing with Capicu is unlike, I, I would say, a lot of, you know, uh, unlike a, a, a lot of other places that don't recognize that, you know, there was something before them. People want to act like they were the first thing. We're not the first thing. We're we're from a long tradition of uh, the oral tradition. The oral tradition in general is ancient. <laughs> you 
you know, it's ancient. You can't exactly. even put a year on it. You know? Nah, and you know what, too? And and the thing, too, I think what kind of defines copy. Hello? Um, they're doing shows just to do shows, and that's great and everything, but we have other activities that we're doing in the community that we're trying to, like, you know, amplify the message of social responsibility. We're trying to help people be better parents. We're trying to help people get jobs. You know, we're trying to get Absolutely. people in, in creative writing workshops. We're trying to develop the artists on a business side as well, not just the writing right. and the performance piece, but, but the education piece on how to incorporate themselves and how to handle their finances. And financial literacy is a big key uh, component in that. So, you know, right. I really, you know, I, you know this already. I appreciate you as a partner um, and, and everything that we've done together over the years. But I'm really, really proud of what you, uh, Johnny, and Keith have put together with um, with La Sopa. Um, it's, it's just, it goes beyond words of, of how incredible that is. And I know you had a really, really, really busy weekend. You've uh, you were at yeah. Capicu, <laughs> then you then you, uh, you you taught classes first thing the next morning, and then you went out to go support uh, Wendy Angulo. Big shout to her, Canvas Awards, their show yeah, uh, last yeah. night. Um, so so I know that you are uh, you are you are ready for bed to get ready for your week. But I really want to do appreciate your time. Let people know how they can connect with you for La Sopa. If they have any questions about La Sopa, if they want to drop it in classes and all that kind of stuff. Let us know how yeah, to connect with you. Absolutely. First of all, big shout out to Danny Rose, which is my co-dean. We wouldn't be at Boricua College if it wasn't for Danny Rose. And also to uh, to Rafael Andron, Professor Rafael Andron from the Boricua College. And um, shout out to Rich Biad, man, because a lot of the model that we're using right now, you know, comes from the Accentos model of, of, of workshops when they were at Hostos Community College, you know. So big shout out to them. Rich VR is also teaching with us right now this semester. And shout out to all our students, man. I'm I'll see you guys on Saturday. Do your homework. All right. So um, if you want information on La Sopa, you can email us at lasopanyc at gmail.com. Again, it's lasopanyc at gmail.com. And let us know if you want to come in for one day. You know, we have day rates and all that kind of stuff. And uh, just tell them that Papo sent you and you heard about us on Radio Copy Cool. You got it. All right, so there you have it, mi gente. Papo Swiggity in the building for a brief minute, but I appreciate his time. Give him a big aplauso. And we're going to go into a quick commercial break. I just want to let you know today is brought to you by Toyota and the Team Drive 365 program. This free program is a 2.5 hour. Is it? Is a 2.5-hour non-driving interactive session that provides both pre-driver and new driver teens as well as their parents a beyond-basics approach to road safety. It teaches them to be the drivers that you want them to be. It includes car care tips, coaching techniques, other practical tools in a safe, non-sales environment. Families participate in hands-on activities in the class and around the car to promote safe driving behaviors. This interactive clinic will cover topics such as defensive driving, universal truths and best practices, understanding your vehicle's performance dynamics, dangerous driving distractions and how to avoid them, car operations, safety features, and basic maintenance fundamentals, communication and coaching tips for parents and teens, and mutual driving agreements and pre-driver, new driver teens and their parents to make sure that they don't text and drive. 
I strongly recommend that you invest time with your teens to help them, but to also give you give yourself a refresher on what safe driving should look like in a time where there's so many distractions. I'll be personally attending this class with my twins next weekend, and the remaining classes are available in uh, what is it, Long Island, Jersey, and Brooklyn, actually. Um, so on October 18th, we have Millennium Toyota at 257 North Franklin in Hempstead, New York. We have uh, Penn Toyota. On 2400 Northern Boulevard in Greenville, New York, on October 19th, which is next Sunday. Then we have Autoland Toyota in Springfield, New Jersey, on October 25th. And our last date for the New York Tri-State area is in Bayridge Toyota in Brooklyn, New York, on October 26th, which is a Sunday. If you have any questions about this, you can go to teendrive365.com, and you could sign up and register for your class today. Make sure you do that. This program, again, is a, a, a part of the Vayamos Juntos, Let's Go Together, Let's Go Places uh, program that uh, Toyota's put together for parents and teens. So it's a really dope day we have here. We're going to go to a quick song, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Evelyn Alvarez from Prom King. And let's see what we're going to play today. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Let's do some merengue today. Dumbass is the brain, then what the hell does that make me? Well, we're gonna need a bouncer, for sure. I mean, Mike's the money, I'm the brains, you would be the brawn. Why do I gotta be the brawn? First of all, Luke told me what you did to that bum in a fire the other day. Nice work. Secondly, you know, you're big, you're Puerto Rican, you're kind of scary. 
I mean, who's going to mess around in a bar with a big, giant, scary Puerto Rican guy standing in the door, you know? Except maybe other Puerto Ricans, but let's be honest. We're not going to let them in. <laughs> Que pasa, mi gente? This is George Torres, and you're listening to the Capicu Show live from New York City. Um, I am here uh, talking about creating positive impact in our community. We just heard from Juan Papo Santiago, co-founder of Capicu, this radio show, and the School of Poetic Arts, uh, talking a little bit about uh, some of the movements that uh, inspired him. Impact Award winner Evelyn Alvarez, uh, who is the founder of Prompt King. And before we even go into the conversation, I want to play you the clip of the video that aired just before she got her award in Miami this past April. Evelyn Alvarez, a single mother with limited support, works with community organizations to develop and to improve communication between teens and adults, as well as to advocate for healthy relationships between youth. As one of her many initiatives, Evelyn was inspired to create a nonprofit organization by the name of Prom King due to the lack of attention to the needs of young males in the boroughs of New York. Prom King collects new and gently used clothing to outfit young men with dress attire for a variety of occasions, including their prom, important engagements, and other special occasions. An advocate for overall wellness in her community, Evelyn teaches a weekly fitness class, Shape Up NYC, which is accessible to anyone from the ages of 3 to 83 reinforcing health and confidence among those who attend. Evelyn is a connector. Her goal has always been to connect urban families and youth with opportunities to participate in great life experiences that will enhance their perspective of what they can achieve. She is a life doula, a supportive, non-judgmental, optimistic, and resourceful guide on the side. So now I want to take this moment to welcome Evelyn Alvarez, who is actually calling us, from what I understand, from right under the Brooklyn Bridge. What's up? Hi. Hola, how are you? Hello, darling. How you doing? I'm doing great. And you know what? I want to let you know a little known fact about Radio Capicu is that we used to actually broadcast right upstairs from where you're standing uh, at the Urban Latino (laughs) Radio Station back in the days on 10J Street. So, oh, that's yeah, amazing. So, yes, I'm at a wedding, so, so it's like I'm, you know, sneaking out. But, yeah, all right, well, I'm happy to be here. Time. I appreciate you taking time. So so the, the, the clip that we just played pretty much told the story of what you created and, and what are some yep. of the activities that you're doing. But um, I also want to de- delve a little bit deeper and talk a little bit about why you do what you do. So why don't you tell me about the first community uh, initiative that you ever participated in before all of Oh, this. my. Um, you know what? I've always been kind of part of the community. Like when I was in high school, I was lucky enough to really be engaged in a lot of like, um, my school used to have a lot of like bolathons and like, you know, like little, um, sell flowers for a cause type of things. And so I feel like that was part of it. And then also like, you know, my family is from Guatemala. And, um, when I was growing up, there was always somebody living with us, like always, like it was somebody that came from Guatemala and needed a place to stay. And like my mom would be like, yo, 
you know, they could use a sofa. We got a sofa. We're going to hook them up. So it kind of was like kind of inbred. Like probably my mom was my first role model when it came to that. And then I was able to really just have a whole bunch of experiences that led to me realizing the importance of being able to like give back because everybody can give back. That's my fundamental truth. Yep. So your mom had the Airbnb going on way before it was. Yep, uh, exactly. A I, we should, you know what? I should do like a class action, yo. <laughs> but yeah, my mom was probably <laughs> the first person I knew. I could definitely identify with that. My grandmother was the cocinera del barrio, and it was so funny yes. because no matter how many kids came over to the house to eat. No matter how many people came over to eat every single night, there was always enough food. Yes, so and that's how, I learned, that's, how I learned, right, that's how I learned how to cook. Like, we would have literally one chicken and, like, 17 people. And my mom was kind of one of those moms that had, like, a good times kind of mentality. Like, you know, we had the rent parties or whatever else. It's like she would celebrate her birthday starting on Friday, and people would go straight to work on Monday. So she would say, like, you know, solo hay un pollo, hay que hacer sopa. So, boop, everybody would eat. So that's how we kind of learned how to. <laughs> that's how we learned how to stretch it out. And that was some good chicken soup, I'm sure. So, so Delicious. tell me a little bit about Prom King. Prom King, right. Prom King is, is is a different type of a program. Um, we've heard a lot about programs that help young ladies get ready for these formal events, but you kind of twisted yes. it. So tell me a little bit about. Oh it. yeah. So um, basically, Prom King exclusively works with um, boys, and you know, young boys, young boys between the ages of 10 and 26. And the reason why I did it was because essentially I was invited to a wedding and I'm a single mom. Um, at the time, my son was six and I had to go and buy him a suit. And all I could think about was like, oh, snap. You know, when I went to buy the suit, I was like, I have only one kid. If I had three, somebody ain't going. So it occurred to me that, you know, people are always talking about how children outgrow things really quickly. And there was like an opportunity to like really give back. Right. So, um, Basically, that's the first thing that happened. And then a few weeks later, someone told me, like, oh, I have all these ties from when I went to high school. And um, and I was like, well, you know what, hold on to them or, or um, you know, or donate them. And a few weeks later, another colleague of mine was like, oh, my brother doesn't have enough ties to go to high school. So I connected the two of them, and I realized, like, oh, snap, you know, you had all these ties sitting in your closet in Harlem, and all of a sudden, you know, who's to say who could use them? So I started realizing that, you know, despite all my work with youth, I had seen a lot of, like, giveaways for young girls, but I had never seen anything for boys. And Prom King is specifically different because it's not work-related. Like, I don't care if you don't have jobs. It's not about respectability politics. I'm not about, like, oh, pick your pants up, you know. It's just about the idea that certain clothing gives you entree into certain experiences, and if our boys don't have the appropriate clothing, they won't have the entree. And I wanted to remove at least one of the barriers that they had to entrance. That's why I wow. did Prom King. that is awesome. So, so my, the, the conversation I wanted to have today is a little bit different than most conversations. So normally we talk about how great the organization is and how you can support them and whatever. But today I wanted to do something a little bit different, and I wanted to teach people and give them some insight on what it takes to actually open up a nonprofit. So talk to me about the process of actually getting a nonprofit started. Okay. From a legal perspective. Um, absolutely. So really the first thing is you have to have, I mean, in my opinion, it works best if you have something that you're really passionate about. Like, because first of all, you're not going to get no money. So if somebody's looking at it as starting a nonprofit and being like, oh, this is going to be, uh, you know, an income generating kind of experience, it probably, it could potentially be in the long run. Um, but you just have to look at it as like, I'm promising for me as a labor of love. Like as a single mom to a boy, this is really important for me. So I work at it 
regardless of what I do because of the fact that it's important to me. But then second of all, you have to actually do the work. Like it's much easier if you do the work, um, you know, whatever it is. So for example, for me, I started calling people. I emailed everybody on my um, address list and I was like, look, I need a shirt, a tie, shoes, cufflinks, whatever you have, socks, unused, you know, t-shirts, whatever you want to donate. And honestly, I have more clothes in my apartment that belong to Prom King than for me and my son combined. Um, and wow. then on the legal perspective, so, you know, so I started doing the work before I looked into, like, you know, the engagement of, like, the legal entity. From the legal perspective, actually, you, if you are um, a small nonprofit and you earn less than, I think, $50,000 a year now, the IRS has made it a lot easier for you because as of July 2014, there's actually um, a fee that, I mean, uh, an application that you can do online. Because it used to be that, like, the nonprofit, you know, process was really long. You had to download all this paperwork. You had to send it and send all this crap. But basically the IRS is identifying that there are a lot of people that are doing good things, even if they're not generating a lot of money. So um, definitely look into that. And so there's a different process, which is a lot simpler, and it's really like an online application. I believe the fee is $400, but if you really believe in your cause, you can either A, fund it yourself, or you can do something like, uh, you know, like a Indiegogo or like one of those kind of online group um, collectives so that you can get that $400, and then you have no problem. So, you know, it's basically a shorter turnaround than the traditional long nonprofit organization um, structure. Then you want to do things like you want to get um, – and tax ID number, which if you go on irs.gov, they'll give it to you literally in a matter of minutes. So you can open up a bank account for your project if you have one, which is a lot easier because then once you do that and you start to really identify that this is going to have a separate income stream than your own life, it helps. Um, and it also gives you, like, a lot of credibility. Like, once you say you're a 501c3, you're eligible for, like, grants and all this other good stuff. Um, and, you know, you keep it rocking. I mean, the most important thing, honestly, is to do the work. Like, it might be messed up in the beginning. You might make some mistakes. But if we wait for everything to be perfect all the time, we'll never do anything. So my thing exactly. is I always encourage everybody to kind of throw their hat in the ring on the front end and fix it on the back end. I mean, if you're not – as long as it's not like a money situation, but, you know, it's like things that, you know – Every every new and this is you know this is and don't think about it as separate from like basic entrepreneurship because we're doing a lot of I mean this is it's a business right like having any kind of um, nonprofit it is a business you are selling something to the community regardless of whether you're making money at it or not you are selling a Correct. service that is individual to you and your experience and so really being able to like take note of like um like a lot of, you know, a lot of those books that are for entrepreneurs, like don't think that if you're running a nonprofit that that doesn't apply to you. In fact, that applies to you probably more, um, particularly if you're doing something that is already, you know, kind of like there's a whole bunch of agencies that do certain things. There's a lot of agencies that do, um, that, that donate clothes. So what makes Prom King different? So I've had to really do a lot of work in terms of getting myself right and acclimated with the marketing jargon and the financial jargon because you want your business to be successful. Yeah, you definitely do, and, and you're doing a great job at it. Um, your social Thank media you. game is crazy. Yeah, now, exactly. Well, it's been improved. Hmm? Uh, yeah, I, I, I seen it. I mean, the time you and I were on a panel together was at Latism, and, and just since that yes. time, I, I seen you put a lot of things yeah. into play from that conversation, so that's dope. So now I have a question. Most nonprofits usually have like a board of directors and things of that nature. Who are some of the mentors that helped you out, and, and what did they bring to the table in terms of investment in your idea and bringing Prom King to fruition? 
Honestly, I would have to say that I've been very blessed in meeting people like you that have been really like, oh, word, you doing that? Like, you know, it's like, I feel like when there are people who you run it past, like, I mean, honestly, I would say that literally every single person that, um, that I've talked to Prom King about has been influential. Even the people that, you know, some people might be like, oh, they're haters, they disagree with you. But I say, like, you know what, you got to seek those people out because the people that disagree with you help you refine your mission. Like, I need people to disagree with me so that I can really, it's like, you know, like, it's like steel, sharp and steel. You know, you want people that are also on your side, but you also want people that are going to help you think like, oh, snap, you know, what am I supposed to say when somebody disagrees with it? Like, do I really believe in this? So I would say that, like, a lot of people have, I've gotten some pushback. I will say that I've gotten a lot of pushback, like, oh, well, these boys have enough money to buy sneakers, but they don't have enough money to buy a suit, you know, that kind of pushback. And that's been really important for me because it has helped me refine my vision. Um, But like I told you, it's been like, I mean, honestly, the people that do, like, community-based stuff like how Papo just came on and talked about his his interests like when I met you we connected and we clicked and you saw my vision and um like I think those people are really really important like don't be afraid like for me I was definitely very intimidated at the tech scene the first time that I went to like a tech event I thought I was doing it because I had you know purchased my domain name on GoDaddy for $2.99 so when the dude was like who's hosting you I was like hosting I was like what you know, I don't know anything about that, but, you know, you have to kind of be brave. So I think that the people that really latch onto your vision and help you kind of push you to the next level are so fundamental, but you have to be brave. So I would say that um, probably my son, you know, he's like my number one reason to kind of engage in this kind of deal and realize that if I'm struggling with it, I know other moms are dealing with it too. So I honestly connect most with probably all the struggling single parents out there. Like the people that are, that are, they walk into their apartment at night and kind of like hold their breath before they flick on the lights because they think Con Ed might've shut them off. Those are my people. Those are the people that inspire me the most. That's beautiful. And, and now the, you just mentioned you glossed over one particular point, and that was the, the, the domain. So talk to us about how that website came about. I love that. Oh, yeah. So, all right. So I <laughs> I bought the domain name for like, um you know, for what, 199 or 299 like GoDaddy, and I sat on it. And then a few months later, one of my girlfriends invited me to a hackathon. I didn't know what a hackathon was. So at a hackathon, you basically, at this particular hackathon at least, you go and you pitch your idea to like a group of coders, um, which I didn't know what a coder was either. But a coder, for those of you that don't know, is somebody who basically like does coding and sets up websites and all this other good stuff. So you go and you pitch your idea, and they were like, well, do you have a domain name? And I was like, yeah, I got that. You know, I'm thinking like, yes, honey. You know, sister girl is on it. I bought it for two ninety nine on GoDaddy. And then they're like, oh, well, who's your host? And I was like, what's a host? Like, I didn't realize that there were other levels to, like, the tech game. So when you have a domain name, it just gives you the name. So, for example, like, I bought promking, you know, .org. So nobody else could have that for at least a year. And then I was cheap. So, you know, like, usually domain options give you, like, one year, a cost for one year, a cost for two years, a cost for three years. And I was too broke at the time to buy, like, three years. So I just bought the cheapest one, which is, like, two ninety nine. So then – um which I don't encourage anybody else to do. <laughs> um, I encourage you to buy as much as you can afford. Um, 
And then I, you know, started looking at the host. And so then I was really blessed enough to really um, get a couple of people that really believed in the vision and they signed on and they did this, you know, they, they created a website pretty much in one day. Like at this particular hackathon, they started at nine by five o'clock. I had a working website and, um, and he, it was hosted on somebody else's like host, you know, account. And it took me like two months to get my own host because at the time when I started Prom King, I had lost my job. And I didn't have any money, and I was on welfare. And Prom King was like my activity to make me feel like I was still getting my juices flowing, you know. And I, instead of crying every day because I didn't have a job and my son goes to private school and I didn't have no money and my cable was cut off, I started to, like, kind of tap into my neighbor's Wi-Fi and start working on Prom King. And I used my expertise that I already had as a longtime nonprofit employee, and, like, I just started working on it on this particular, on this particular cause. So that's pretty much how it happened, you know, how it happened for me. And and that shows the power of community, you know, when people have things that they want to invest in. You had a bunch of coders that were willing to invest in your idea and put the work into it so that you were up and running. It was crazy because they didn't know me from, yeah, they didn't know me. Those coders did not know me from a can of paint. And, you know, they they were like, oh, this is amazing. Like, you know, this is a really good cause. But, you know, it's like the first thing you got to do is get the hell out of your own way. Because sometimes all of us, each and every person, I believe, has a good idea sitting in their spirit, right? They're just afraid or they think it's not going to work or whatever, and they don't want to do it. So my thing is just, you know what, just get it done. You know, just kind of like get out of your own way. Wake up earlier than you usually wake up on a Saturday morning like I did and go talk to a whole bunch of people that you don't know and, you know, pitch your vision. And if they don't, if they tell you no, then you're already at no, right? Like that's the, that's the exactly. beauty of it that you already, you, you start at no. So anybody tells you no, you're already at no. I was, I was prepared to walk out of the room and be like, all right, you know, I get y'all. Yeah, I don't get it either. <laughs> okay, bye. You know? That's pretty much the way so, now, so now, since, since since April, I mean, we had a lot of conversations in Miami about what we want to do individually, collectively, et cetera. And yeah. and you know, you you've had you have some very ambitious uh, goals for Prom King. So talk to oh, us absolutely. a little bit about what you see happening next. What do you see happening next, and how people could actually connect with you to to further that vision? Absolutely. So I see Prom King as being global. Like I'm trying to see. Uh, a prom king in Bonse, like I'm trying to see a prom king in, you know, in in every every part of the world. Like I believe that there is room for that. There's need for it, and there's a whole bunch of people who got a whole bunch of shit. Sorry, excuse my French, but there's a whole bunch of people who got stuff. Like why can't they just push it forward to let somebody else have a great opportunity? So what we're doing right now is we are starting um two new chapters this year, and I'm hoping that eventually it could be a lot like um my my role models in terms of business are dress for success which does a little sim- something similar to what I do, but um, they specifically they specifically work on um, they specifically work on women's clothing for for career. But my thing is to really have um, a prom king like a whole bunch of chapters. But right now we're starting with Charlotte and we're starting with Camden, New Jersey, which are both high need cities in America. And then um, the other side of it is that because we were able to win a contest with oh the Oprah magazine. Um, we were able to generate some funds, and so those funds right now are going to be used for, like, a, a micro-grant. And those micro-grants are going to go toward boys and young men that want to do certain things. So um, not necessarily related to academics because there are a lot of scholarships for that, but really just, like, things that make them better. You know what I'm saying? So, like, right now we're getting, like, 
uh, one boy wrote us saying that he wants to learn how to play guitar, so we funded him $100 to be able to, like, play, take guitar lessons. Um, another boy is in an ROTC program, and they, it costs $80 for the year to be able to engage him in, like, the ROTC program. Yeah, we're going to help you pay for that ROTC program so that you can go ahead and do some things. You know, so these are the kind of, like, and these are small grants that make a huge difference. Like, for all of us, I'm sure that many of us can relate to the idea that one small thing, gave us like so much opportunity and so what we want to do now is to like really spread that opportunity for young men who historically have been really excluded from that experience you know if you're not a it's like it seems like for me in many urban areas like if you're not a a a student or you're not a felon then there are very few programs that actually fit you you either got to be an athlete an a student or a felon for the universe to notice you and my thing is that there are 80 percent of boys that are going unnoticed and they don't have enough programming for them so let's create some programming for them that's awesome so i'm going to tell you right now that i have some people in the chat room that are going nuts about you so um hey chat room what's up I I, i love your i love her energy uh, Eric Toro says, uh, I love the whole setup. I want to do more. I'm getting motivated. Um, yes. Jennifer Vanessa says she want, she makes you want to help. I love her. <laughs> yeah, I and, love you uh, too. Our chat administrator wants to buy clothes for you as soon as she can. Absolutely. So, so you know what? They awesome. can email me. And my email address, the best way to email me, um, the best way to contact me is via email. It is, um, <laughs> uh, my email address is promkingnyc at gmail dot com and also you can call me at three four seven nine four eight ties shout out to google um <laughs> but definitely yeah so email is probably best i am a late bird so i will email you back at two three four o'clock in the morning do not be surprised but i will absolutely respond and thank you for everyone out there who is really if you're motivated out there listen we all have what it takes already to be able to like go and do some amazing things in this world so don't be afraid y'all just go ahead Set it off. Set this world on fire. It deserves it. We overdue. Let's go. And then, and then I'm gonna tell you this. I'm gonna tell you that your your motivation, your your energy right now, is, is contagious. So what we're gonna do is Capicu is gonna commit, and we're gonna donate a venue for you to have a fundraiser where 100 percent of the proceeds are gonna go to Prom King NYC. Thank you, Capicu. And you know what? We've been talking about it, so we're gonna do an adult prom. Everybody in the chat room. Get your cute stuff ready because we're doing an adult prom. So for those of you that didn't go to high school prom or if you want to redo it over sometime next year, you heard it here first. We're doing an adult prom party. So, yes, I'm expecting to see your face there in the you place. Go. That's why I'm saying it on the radio to, to add accountability because we're both very busy and we can't let that get away from yes. us. So I'm telling Absolutely you right not. now that we're going to commit. We're going to take care of all the everything having to do with the venue. There will be 0% investment from your part. And 100% of all the proceeds are going to go to Prom King. And we want to meet some of those young men. We want to help them out in the best way that we can. And uh, I also want to let you know that if you ever, ever, ever need to promote anything having to do with Prom King or anything else that you do in the community, you always have a home here at the Copy Cool Thank Show. Thank you so much. So, George, honestly, I want to say, I want to take a moment to thank you. And this is not because I'm on your show or anything, but you have been so influential to the way that I move and the way that I, like, do things. And I'm very grateful for having met you. Like, it was just, you know, the universe makes no mistakes. I'm confident that, you know what, they knew what they were doing when they sat us next to us and when they sat us next to each other in that panel. Absolutely. 
So I'm going to let you get back to the cocktails and birthday yes, cake. Uh, uh, Absolutely. And yes, that. I'm wedding cakes. I'm going back in because it's, 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 yes, it's time to eat. But it was nice being on the show. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. And for all of you out there, promkingnyc at gmail.com, please don't forget to write. Have a good night. And definitely. And we're going we're gonna to go to a quick break, and uh, we're going to play this song dedicated to Evelyn Alvarez. Oh, thank you. Have a good night. Bye. Me head, they were back here on the Capicu show, and I'm the, I'm, <laughs> I'm George Torres, uh, the host for the night. And I just want to give a couple of quick shout outs, uh, and, and a couple of quick announcements, uh, that'll help you get through this next week or two. Um, first of all, I want to let you know that tonight, um, although it wasn't officially sponsored by his, um, the Hispanicized Positive Impact Award, it was definitely uh, geared around promoting. Uh, social good in the community. So I want to let you know that if you go to hispzpia.com slash 2014, uh, you will be, uh, I'm sorry, 2015, uh, you'd be able to go to, uh, I'm sorry, no, I remember, I was right. I'm sorry, hispzpia.com 2014. I put the link in the chat room, and that is the nomination form. Uh, for you to nominate for the 2015 PIA Awards, Positive Impact Awards, uh, to be awarded in Miami, Florida on March 16th 
2015, sponsored by 3M, uh, who is uh, returning for a second year. Uh, I also want to give a shout-out again to Wendy Angulo and the Canvas of Words family, uh, Advocate of Words, uh, who performed at Capicu on Friday. Uh, with was an amazing show, definitely uh, worth seeing, full house, love it. It was my first uh, Capicu since I got back from uh, from my summer vacation, which was really uh, a lot of work. Um, I want to let you know that we're going to be um, reformatting a lot of the portions of the show here. Um, we have a whole new experience happening uh, definitely in January uh, in terms of what this show is supposed to be and what it's going to be. Um, so we want to invite you to be part of the community. Uh, the email address, the new email address for the show is thecapicushow at gmail.com. If you have any show ideas, anything of that nature, definitely send it over to us. If you know anybody who you think would make a great guest, we definitely want to hear from you. Again, that address is thecapicushow at gmail.com. Um, and just so you know, the new Capicu is going to be a broadcast aimed at empowering the community to live fuller and healthier lifestyles in mind, body, and soul. Our mission is to redefine community culture through open dialogue on the mental, physical, emotional, and financial issues impacting Latino, Hispanic, and urban communities across the United States. Because awareness is only a first step, we're going to strive to to share best practices and valuable insight to help you become a proactive, solution-oriented participant in your own well-being. In the collective spirit of the Capicu game, we know that only we're only going to win if we all win. So we encourage you to listen, engage, and help us build the best show for Latinos by Latinos on the Internet. So I hope that you will join us right now to the end of the year. It's going to be every other week. Our next show is going to be October 26th, and we are going to be talking about uh, police brutality in our communities. And we're going to talk to some really progressive young people uh, and law students who are actually trying to make a change and trying to uh, invest in policy that's going to change the current situation that our communities are uh conflicted with right now with the New York City Police Department specifically, but in police departments across the country as well. So we're going to be having that dialogue with some people that are uh, affected by it and some people who are trying to make changes. So we definitely want you to um, to join us October 26th at 8 o'clock. It's going to be a two-hour show. We're going to have a live Q&A, so you're going to be able to call in and ask questions and actually express how you feel. So we'll definitely have a hot sound-off session. And, you know, we hope that uh, hopefully we can come out of this uh, radio show building some bridges and coming up with some solutions that really make sense for our community. So with that said, mi gente, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. Again, tonight was brought to you by Teen Drive 365. You can go to teendrive365.com and and register for one of their interactive classes that are free to the community and sponsored by Toyota. Let's go places. Vayamos juntos. It's also sponsored tonight by Music Choice and their Chronicle series that this month for Latino Heritage Month is celebrating the musical accomplishments of Fat Joe, uh, Joey Cartagena, as we call him over here, and a Daddy Yankee, who my grandmother affectionately calls Jackie Dandy. Um, <laughs> and what else? What else? What else do we have? Oh, also a big shout out to Omar Lopez Photography, who's going to be celebrating the 10th anniversary. We'll have a big contest where you could win family portraits for your holiday cards uh, free at a session here in New York for the New Yorkers that are listening. Uh, we will have some great giveaways for you from Omar Lopez Photography, so you stay tuned for that. Um, and that, I believe, it's it. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. And I am looking for the outro. Here we go. Copy.
Pesa. 